Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we're finishing up our Daredevil Season 3 discussion with all of your discussion from your feedback. Woo! Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, let's dive right into this Daredevil feedback. Full spoiler alert, a lot of these are probably from early episodes and such, but we're going to spoil the heck out of Season 3 and talk about all the different portions that you guys had things to say about. So here we go. Go for it, Jeff. Brian Keegan said to us on Facebook, By Odin's beard, Daredevil Season 3 is astounding! Can't wait to hear you guys cast about it. Hey, we're doing that right now. I'm sorry you had to wait. <laughs> sorry you had to wait to hear your uh, amazing words spoken. Anyway, Sherman Smith said on Facebook, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 1, Ironic that Fisk is doing the right thing concerning his loved one, and Murdoch isn't. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned. And yeah. then, you know, there was a fight on a table later. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Superhero Ethics tweeted at us, said at MTU cast, OMG, Matt quoted Job. There's so much about this episode to love, but the theology geek in me was so happy for all the conversations Matt slash priest slash nun had. Uh, I'm currently leading a Bible study on Job at my church. I can't believe I get to quote Daredevil to them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I loved the Job connection and like the the whole philosophy of daredevil in this season like just kind of going through what he's going through was just just amazing really well told i felt i felt it all (laughs) i felt it all inside i felt it Uh, all yoda hugh said to us on twitter at mcu cast only just started hashtag daredevil season three and why would the fbi send a vulnerable agent to interview fisk I thought the same thing when I watched that episode. Yep. Uh, I thought it was dumb as hell, but the answer is... The answer revealed itself is that they're all in his pocket. That's true. That is true. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. The, the answer was I thought that they just were sure they weren't getting anything. I don't know they were all in his pocket at that point. She was. Was she? When she said yeah. Dude, no, Fisk had been grooming him for that position for a while. Like, Fisk was part of the reason his sister got denied her, her insurance when oh, she no, got I cancer. Know that. I know that. Her sister-in-law. He, he didn't he didn't reveal that to him, though, until way later. And I have a feeling he was grooming those other people the same way. And it wasn't until he actually turned the screws when he was released, I think. But, you know, we, we don't know. It is possible that is all just part of it. Uh, that was part of his plan. That was part of his uh, having other people on his payroll or whatnot. But I also think they just didn't, according to the that episode, the the, the internal logic of that episode was that uh, two two things. They didn't think they were going to get anything out of Fisk. They were talking about how it was a waste of time to even go down there. And yep. secondly, um, I think in the end, why they continued to use him was she felt bad for him. Like because she didn't want to fire him, uh, she wanted she didn't want to continue to keep him from growing in his career or whatever. Uh, but then, obviously, later we find out she's with Fisk. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows how long she's been a part of it all? We don't know. <laughs> uh, Ashley and Coffin said to us on Twitter, <laughs> all caps. Did you know Sister Maggie? Whoops, not Mary. Lol, was Sorsha from Willow? I did not, but I had to look it up when she uh, 
when she sent this. And it's just so, it's always so fun to see actors that like, I didn't know at the time and then look back and see how they're like completely different. <laughs> yeah. I didn't recognize her at all. And was like, what else has this lady been in? Because she seems important and good. And I was like, yeah, she's great. Let me, let me find where she was. And Oh yeah. She was in Willow. Uh, she's been in other stuff since then, obviously, but Willow is the major thing that I would know her from. Yeah. Totally wouldn't have recognized her though. Yeah. That was, uh, some time ago. She has aged since then. Indeed. As people do. Uh, Anyway, so Superior Ethics said to us on Twitter, Hey, at Matthew Carroll M of the at MCU cast. I gotta quit saying these like that. Uh, how about you and I record for an hour uh, of us discussing the theology of Daredevil? We can see how many from each of our audiences we can alienate in one episode. <laughs> I, and I told him, yes, let's do that. <laughs> um, the theology, yeah, the theology would be uh, a whole different thing. They They talk about the uh, ethics, which, but theology is a whole, whole nother ball of wax. I'm mm. down. I'm down. Just hit me up. We'll do it. H M U man. Uh, Zuhair Ali said to us on Twitter, Adam to you cast. I really hope y'all are half as energized as I am after this episode. Five exclamation marks. It's pretty energized with that many exclamation marks. That is a lot of ex- exclamation marks. Zuhair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was energized by every episode of the season. Uh, yes, by the way, this, we haven't this season was so stupid good. We haven't talked about it in this particular podcast episode, but this show is canceled and it's making me very sad. Right? Uh, just damn it. We just got some feedback from uh Jeffrey James and I I don't know how good his sources are. I know we always get in trouble because we don't talk about uh we, we we did not research this at all, but he was telling he was telling us that apparently Netflix is the one that canceled Daredevil. Like, not Marvel. Yep. Um, and they have enacted the clause that uh, no, uh, these characters can't appear on screen for two years. Well, it looks like they enacted the clause of no uh, further seasons of this can be made for two years. The thing I read said no, those characters can't appear for two That's years. That's dumb. Yes. Um, I mean, it's not dumb from a business perspective. Like they put a lot of work into marketing this show, and for them to it to be canceled, and then Marvel to just be able to go over and put it on their streaming service with under a different name would be. Uh, I understand why Netflix would not want that uh, for a direct competitor to get the get the show that they created, basically. Um, but it's a real bummer. It's just, it's just not what the fans want at all. If it's true that Netflix canceled it, I don't know if that's true. I think it's just as likely Disney canceled it with the full plan to promote a show in two years. Like, they thought it was worth taking it off the air for two years to get it under the Marvel, under the Disney name. And on the Disney service. (sighs) That's so stupid. Uh. Yeah, it's all, it's all real dumb. Um, if that's if that's all the case, then it's real dumb. All right, uh, let's see. Moving up, moving up. Lauren at very lovely LJ said, "Adams, you cast have your girlfriend on more because that whole thing about what she remembers and what she doesn't remember is funny." Do you remember he's a lawyer? And now remembering that confrontation scene. You don't have a dog. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it was super fun having Alyssa on the all those Daredevil episodes, and she, uh, she, I don't know if you listen to those episodes or not, uh, Jeff, but she, she kept coming up with like, wait, who's who? Who's that? Why are they there? <laughs> like, she just doesn't have the best memory for TV. She has the best memory for life, and I have the best memory for TV, and like, the, ne- neither of us have the other one. <laughs> So I think she probably got the better end of that. That is absolutely true. She has actual real life skills. I just remember things that happened on episodes of TV shows. Um, (laughs) And that's not good. It's it's real bad. Oh man. The same thing was being said this week at my office. I, uh, I was like, if it happened on a screen in front of me, I, I remember it. And that is to my detriment because like I was, I was correcting someone on something that was said in uh, episode two of the first season of the of the revival of Doctor Who, the Eccleston season. Yeah, the the second episode. I was correcting someone on that, and I was like, "I'm not a Whovian, but I've seen this episode, right. so I, I know all of it." Uh, and she's yeah. like, "That's a crazy superpower." Yeah, it's it's crazy useless superpower. Yep, it is entirely worthless. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 2. Wow, the weight room incident is the first time I've seen the Kingpin use restraint. And see, what we didn't know. I, I, I See, I, I disagree with Sherman here. I think that Kingpin is constantly using restraint. It's just... Uh, when he wants to let go and do something horrible, he does. Uh, but he is, he is often playing the long game. Like, he knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. And, and like, that restraint turned out to just be part of his plan. Oh, it was cool calculation the whole mm-hmm. time. Absolutely. Uh, Sherman Smith also said, Daredevil says, uh, season three, episode two. I'm liking the story so far, but as far as motivations go, I'm not getting it. In Iron Fist, I understood Danny's motivations from season one on, but I'm not getting Matt's. I understand him wanting to be Daredevil full-time. What I don't get is him not telling his friends that he's alive and not using the additional protection of the suit. Um, does he have the suit? Uh, no, he didn't have the... Well, the suit was peeled off of him, and uh, he said that the the thing that it represents is dead. Like when he was talking to Melvin Potter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's why he, he just kind of gave up suit, on it. I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's a little silly that he's not using the suit for sure, especially with his like reduced abilities halfway through the season. Um, <laughs> right. Like you need this more than ever. And it's just very clear. He's being a total jackass by not in, staying in touch with his friends. Just a total yeah. jackass. He's not, he's not being logical in any of this. He is, he is having his, uh, the bedrock of what he believes has been shaken and he's, he's grieving and he's just not in a good place. Like just in any way. Yeah. He's in a very bad place through most of the season Mm -hmm. and it takes, it takes getting his ass beat a lot. And you know, the friends that he has, has been pushing away, forcing him to let them in and and forcing themselves into his life to help him, it takes all of that for him to realize, like, oh, I'm being a dick. Yeah. Maybe I do need help. For sure. Uh, Nathaniel Muzzy said to us on Facebook, Daredevil post-first-half binge, minor spoilers, and no idea what episode I'm on. 
He said, mostly loving the show so far. I'm just hoping that the show ends in a relatively good place for Matt, Karen, and Foggy. It did. Uh, minor nitpick. Feels like the Netflix shows are obsessed with addiction at this point after JJ Season 2 and Iron Fist Season 2, and now anytime I see someone take any pill, I cringe. I hope they tone that theme down some, but I'm worried about Karen. Oh, man. I don't remember her taking pills in the current timeline. Was she... Real pilled up. <laughs> I know um, she. I know she was taking drugs in the flashbacks. I don't remember pills in the in the current timeline. Yeah, I don't remember. I I, I remember very very vividly the uh, and it's funny. Like we're just you know I just talked about if I saw it on the screen I remember it. <laughs> but I, I don't remember her taking any kind of pills in the uh, in the current timeline. I yeah. she was real bad off in the in the like in her past life. Right. And and if she was taking pills, it doesn't seem like they made it a theme for the season. Well, the, the theme of addiction, um, is going to have to be like, that was, that was all Matt. Yeah. That's where true. He was addicted to being daredevil and he was, you know, he couldn't stop it no matter what. Yeah. Agreed. But I think the, uh, the writer here says, is, is talking about, um, specifically Karen taking some pills, but which I think was just the, uh, the flashbacks. I don't remember in the current, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sherman Smith said on Facebook, daredevil season three looks, uh, it looks like we're going to be using the phrase. That's a dick move. Murdoch a lot this season. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. think we, I think we've might have used that already tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Murdoch Murdoch's been a real dick. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of his MO at this point. Yeah, it's true. Or it, it was. Uh, let's see, we got an email from 084, episodes one through four. When I found out about the October 19th release date for the season, I made sure to take the day off from both jobs just so I could take it all in. That's and amazing. I have all the thoughts, all of the thoughts. Instead of sending you a 45 page thesis at the very end, I'm breaking it up into chunks. Here's what I thought about episodes one through four. Tense. That's pretty much the gist of it. There's just a palpable air of fear in the air, uh, a fear of what's going to happen next. The last time we saw Fisk, he had threatened Foggy, which had me wondering which Foggy scene would have him or Marcy brutally murdered. Oh, gosh. Uh, then, there, <laughs> then there's Matt, who is at his lowest point physically, emotionally, maybe even mentally. He essentially tries to die at the end of episode one, and if not for the return of Fisk, might have kept on trying. Mm-hmm. When Matt started seeing visions, uh, yeah, visions of Kingpin, I was afraid that maybe all the menace we saw in the trailers from Fisk would come from Matt's head. Uh, it would have been interesting, but disappointing. Thankfully, by the end of episode four, it's abundantly clear that Fisk is finally a fully grown Kingpin and deliciously evil. Mm-hmm. Wilson Bethel doesn't do much as Bullseye except creep us out, but he does an amazing job at it. We know from the trailers exactly who he's going to be, so we're watching his scenes intently. That's another source of tension, anticipating the full villainy to come out of these two antagonists. I, I do have to say, like knowing that he was going to turn into Bullseye, and and kind of be you know that antagonist mm-hmm. the whole time I was watching him. I'm like, is this the moment? Is this the moment? Oh no, it's just part of it. It's part of the push. Oh god, it's coming. Here he comes. Mm-hmm. I just I knew he was going to go bad. Yeah, and you know. It's like watching a train wreck. You just don't know when the the whole thing is going to finally end. Yeah, they leave uh, a couple little like 
you know, small things to let us know he was creepy, something was wrong with him, but then they let him just go full on bullseye in, 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 in the Daredevil suit, which I just really enjoyed. That was super fun. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. That prison sequence, in all caps. Fisk's revenge is exacted on Murdoch as he is forced to fight his way out with no protective gear and, more importantly, no anonymity. He's forced to show Fisk what he can do or die. And boy, does he show what he can do. Charlie Cox and Chris Brewster are both incredible in this stretch. And even though it's a little obvious when each is on screen, like that few minutes before Matt falls behind the behind the chair where we only see his back, mm-hmm. we're too tense to care. I have more thoughts about Karen and Maggie and the amazing story of Agent Nadim, but most of them come in the later chunks of the season. Can't wait to hear your thoughts as well. Have fun. Yeah, I I really enjoy the um the prison scene of course, but and like honestly the first time I saw it I di- it did not resonate with me that there was that the, it was obvious when they changed out Daredevil. <laughs> but then on subsequent watches I, which I watched that I think I watched that scene like 5 times, 6 times something like that. I just kept watching it. Um but on subsequent watches it's really funny the, the way they the way they hide the changes of Daredevils is really great. <laughs> like he falls through a door and then like Daredevil comes back through that door and you're like, Oh, that's the, that's not him. <laughs> and then suddenly he's doing like way more interesting, uh, fighting techniques and stuff. <laughs> and then it's like, he's back. Uh, and then he falls behind the, behind the like hospital bed and then comes right back out. And now he's like, obviously Charlie Cox, you know, <laughs> like they just, it's real fun. I, I, I think it, makes it even cooler that you kind of can spot what they're doing. But on a first watch, it didn't even at all bother me. It's too amazing to, to really even care when the, when that's happening. Like when I noticed that the, the, the prison sequence was a wonder when I noticed, when I finally noticed that that was happening, I was like, Oh my God. And I like, I jumped back as you know, to the beginning of it to try to find like where it started just so I could time it. I was like, how long is this one? Right. You know what was funny? I, I knew immediately, and the the moment that I knew, uh, I guess we when the door got cracked yeah. open. When the door opened, I was like, "That's a hallway behind that door." Like that's like my immediate <laughs> my immediate reaction was, "That's a hallway behind that door." I know exactly where this is going, and it was <laughs> and it was great. It was so great. Like you look at Charlie Cox and you're like, "Hey there, there's a hallway behind that door." <laughs> what Don't you, you want to take that camera with you for a spin? What are you gonna do in that hallway? Uh, I think I know. You want to um, fight somebody in that hallway? <laughs> what is this voice that we're using? Um, so this next one, apparently I did not write your name down and I'm sorry. I don't know where this, <laughs> I would try to find your, find your name real quick, but, uh, there is way too much stuff to make it through. So my apologies. This is from someone. <laughs> someone said to us somewhere, DDS three E four spoiler. Lots of asterisks. A uh, bit surprised you didn't mention Gunslinger Karen. She's always been a lot darker than she seems on the surface. I got the impression she was really going to shoot those kids. And she's got a thing for Frank Castle, who, unlike Matt, is always honest with her. <clears throat> also, I don't know if you recall, but in DDS2, uh, Kingpin also briefly tried to recruit Frank, I recall, who rejected the entire idea, a foreshadowing of the recruitment of Poindexter. Also, please call him Dex during the podcast, because every time I hear the name Poindexter, this image appears unwanted in my brain. <laughs> he sent a picture of uh, cartoon Poindexter. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Which, uh, yeah, I can't remember what cartoon it's from. Because uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, we, uh, you guys got a lot of requests to, uh, to, <laughs> to only call him Bounce Devil. Yeah. Sam Solo uh, sent us a message saying, MCU cast, please only call him Bounce Devil. Uh, that was a... <laughs> For Jeff, who I don't know if you know, uh, Alyssa. That's, that's an her, Alyssaism. I asked her what she thought that character's name was uh, in that first scene where he's in the he's in the suit throwing things and bouncing them around the corners, and she said "bounce devil," and it stuck. Can we call them "bounce devil" for the vast majority of the <laughs> the podcast watch? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It was good stuff. I think that's going to be his name forever now. Oh yeah, that's Bounce Devil, all right. That's canon. <laughs> oh man, when Bounce Devil is vacuuming the apartment, that's one of my favorite shots in this whole series. <laughs> right in when full he's armor. got the suit on, yeah, full uh, suit on, he's just like do do do, cleaning up on myself. <laughs> Had a real bad episode. Gonna clean it up. <laughs> like it would have only been made better if he had like put on a record to like clean up to. Right. I don't know. Something about the silent awkwardness of him cleaning his apartment in the Daredevil suit was really good. Okay. Really good. Uh, let's see. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, DDS 384, Easter egg mini spoiler. Anyone else notice the model of the X-Men Silver Blackbird in Dex's apartment? Oh, that's awesome. No, I didn't. I didn't. I did not notice that. That's super fun. Well, gotta rewatch the whole series now. <laughs> But we know it's episode four. Why would you have to watch the whole series? Why? How can oh, you you're right. start? You're right. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> at season four. And then why would you stop? I'm sorry, episode it's four. All valid points. <laughs> why would you stop? Uh, let's see. Joshua Mason tweeted at us, at Cast for feedback episode. How will DDS4 tip the S3 one shot? The only way I can think... The only way I can think of is an entire episode being one shot, which would be historic television. Indeed it would. Indeed it would. Yeah. We're going to have to wait a couple of years to find out. There's a movie that I'm blanking on the name of. I think it's like... I don't want to say the wrong one. Like, House at the End of the Street or something like that. Some It's House. Something about a house. But the entire movie is a wonder. And it's... It's a horror movie, which makes it even, I think, more challenging and interesting. Um, yeah, what is that movie called? It, it, oh, it's and I think it's Elizabeth Olsen. The Silent House? Yes. Yeah, Silent House. Um, yeah, it's... I, I actually love it. Um, I don't know. I don't know how... Uh, it's Elizabeth Olsen, so that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe connection. That's why we're talking about it. And it's a big one. Uh, but the whole movie is one shot. And, I, you know, it's it's one shot in the way that they do these Daredevil shots. So I think there are some hidden cuts here and there. But I think they do shoot the whole movie in, like, a matter of hours kind of thing. Like, they shot the whole movie. And then they did it two or three times and then cut it together to get the best results. But it, what's really cool is, like... I don't know. You you just got to see it. I don't want to spoil anything, but it is it is a really impressive feat. Okay, highly recommended. Um, the movie Birdman with Michael Keaton uh, is supposed to yeah. also look like a one big winner. 
Yeah. It, it, it yeah, and it does. It's it's uh, it's really fun. Yep. And there's uh there's apparently some some tips and tricks that the cinematographer used to uh kind of you know, pull that off. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, there's some moments in that that there's no way it's one shot because they go into like CGI moments and stuff. But like, uh, it's still really, really fun. And and the the cool thing about these movies where they do the one shot stuff isn't so much that it's all one shot. It's that they do these long scenes of dialogue and acting uncut, and the fact that the acting is so good and it it's almost like putting on a play. And I, I love it. I think it's really cool when yeah. when they do this stuff. That's that's a testament to the actors, you know. Oh, for sure. Yep. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Sherman Smith said on Facebook, "Daredevil season three, episode five. Loving this show. A Daredevil show with very little Daredevil, and still very compelling. I think Poindexter's compass is definitely broken now. Yeah, Poindexter needed yeah. needed a new compass for sure." It, his compass isn't broken. It just works better with the North Star to guide it. Mm. Danny Phantomson is in an email. I don't know how, because he's a ghost. That's dumb. I'm sorry. Phantom. The um, Phantom, Danny. Well, that's a character on a show where he's... Anyway. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Episode 5, Dex's backstory gave me chills! Exclamation mark. This guy is really messed up. I sympathize with him while also feeling terrified of him. It looks like Fisk arranged uh, to have that redhead girl start working at the hotel to send him over the edge. Also, why didn't he just talk to her before instead of stalking her for years? Creep! And I love it when a show brings back things from a character's past to haunt them. Uh, now that the FBI is investigating, they'll probably find out about Karen shooting that Wesley guy, which is bad news. This makes for really great storytelling. And that was from season one. I love callbacks like that. Also, Matt, I recently finished Firefly and Serenity. You've talked about it a lot on this cast, so I had to check it out. It was worth it. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Good. Yes. Another, another person watching uh Watching Firefly and Serenity, highly yep. that's a that's a much higher recommendation than even an, even Silent House. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite series, one of my favorite fictional anythings. Yeah, there's a great wonder in Serenity too, right at the beginning. Oh yeah, that and that one's impressive because of the not only the it's funny, the interesting scope, it also like shows the entire ship and introduces every character. All in one shot. It's really cool. Yep. It's it's kind of like establishing shot of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, let's see. So we got Yoda Hugh on Twitter, at MCUcast, hashtag Daredevil Season 3, Episode 5, question mark. I legit thought Julie was Mary from Iron Fist when she first appeared. Hmm. I can totally see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, they... All I mean, redheads look alike. I'll tell Alyssa. <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna touch it. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, Lizzie got on my case the other day because I thought two redheads were the same person. She's like, we don't all look alike. <laughs> oh, see, that's I love the callback there. It's a good callback. <laughs> callback oh, to yeah. a thing that wasn't on the cast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, totally. like, as far as like your conversations with her, that's a good callback. Like. <laughs> bringing up this to call back that and be like, see, I've got proof now. <laughs> I've yeah, got see, backing. It's, it's not just me. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, 084 sent to us on Twitter, Adam Zucast. With all due respect to Jeff, at Matthew Carroll M, and Alyssa, make an amazing podcasting pair. Really enjoying reliving Daredevil Season 3 with you guys. Yay. Thanks, 084. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed casting with her, both on this one and uh, I think it was Iron Fist or something that we also covered. Uh, it would have been Most Punisher. Time. Oh, yeah, that's it. It was Punisher. Oh, man, I, I really liked having Alyssa on, and uh, we, we every once in a while we'll talk about making some other podcast, um, but I don't think she has the uh, desire spare to do time. it every week. Yeah, the spare time or the desire to do it all the time like I do. I, I love doing these things, and a lot of times she's like, I don't really... It's not really her thing. She likes, she yeah. enjoys it when she does it, though. Um, yeah, she likes being I a guest star. I think she's great at it, so super fun. <laughs> well, you're biased. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Stop being so uh, jealous, Jeff. I can't. <laughs> I can't. You're just you. You're so impatient that you you get to, you get her to talk in my place, and hey. you can't just. The people, the people can't wait on their episodes sometimes. <laughs> okay, the truth is, I can't wait to watch the next episode. So, if if you can't cast, I'm like, um, uh, maybe we'll just do one without Jeff, and then Jeff gets further behind, and then maybe two without Jeff. Oh, dope. okay, it looks like we're doing this season without Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it's kind of how it happened exactly. Yep, exactly. Well, Jerk. get get more free, man. <laughs> right, totally. I'll mm-hmm. uh, you know train somebody else to know exactly everything that I know so that they can also do that. Good call. <laughs> Been asking for that for years. Um, Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 5, funny thing about that interaction with the ra- with the waitress and Poindexter, if he didn't let on that he was a stalker, he had an excellent chance with her. She could have been his North Star instead of Fisk. That star is pointing south. Straight to hell. Yeah. It was an interesting... Uh like the whole thing with him introducing that character. And I mean, I guess they had the, the plan to kill her anyway, but like it worked and he seemed to like really have something with her and then they took her out of the equation. So it was, it was rough. Yeah. Well, I mean, he said like straight off, like right at the beginning, he's like, I don't, I'm not interested you in you for like a relationship. I just really need your good person Ness to guide my uncertain whether or not I'm a good person Ness. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, Fisk saw that and acted on it and, you know, we get dead redheads. Mm-hmm. Which is a sad thing because they're dwindling, you know? Mm-hmm. Eventually, supposedly, they'll be they be extinct. <laughs> That's a... I, just, I don't like it. I don't like I don't it either. Like that. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I, I I have a great affection for redheads. Uh, one one in particular. Ah, Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 7. Karen's dad is terrible. She wants to come home, and he says, not a good time. What a piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah, but then we saw, you know, kind of uh, why that all was. She didn't really leave on the best of terms. Mm-hmm. Later in the season, when... Uh, I forget exactly what's going on. There's like a horrible thing happening and everyone's getting phone calls and then she doesn't get a phone call to check if she's okay. That made me so sad for her. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it mm. just reminded me of her issue with her family, you know? Yep. Super sad. 
Uh, let's see. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, uh, DDS3E7 and prior spoilers. Also spoilers for other Netflix shows. Continue reading at your own risk. <laughs> when, when Matt's mom suggests that maybe let somebody else handle it, Matt replies, Fisk is my problem. Exactly. This isn't a cop-out. It's a summary of the thought process that Matt has obviously gone through. To take over for Matt, another hero must be able to, one, beat Bounce Devil, and two, outsmart Fisk. Jessica might be able to take Bounce Devil down, but despite her PI skills, she's no match for Fisk, who would immediately ruin her life. Luke could easily take Bounce Devil, but he's no match for Fisk, who would have him back in prison or on the run within 24 hours. Danny, assuming he's still around, might be able to take Bounce Devil, but he's way too stupid to outsmart Fisk. Heck, Danny probably couldn't outsmart Stiltman. <laughs> Which leaves us with Nightwing, who might be able to take Bounce Devil, but who definitely aren't going to outsmart Fisk. The only Netflix character who could take Bounce Devil and then kill, if not outsmart, Fisk would be the Punisher. But how would Matt get a hold of him? If I recall, Karen has a way to signal Frank, but that assumes Frank is still around to be signaled. And Matt doesn't know that Karen and Frank are secret pals. So yeah, Fisk and Bounce Devil is Matt's problem. Yeah. That's a great uh, breakdown of every character. I I do think that, like... Maybe Matt could have called his friends to help. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe maybe they could have been more powerful together if like it just could hey, like Luke. if the defenders decided to re re you know come together. Yeah, like reform real quick. I I just think that like hey Luke, I am having a hard time fighting this one guy. Uh, maybe you take him on and do some uh, you know bullet bouncing off of your chest into his. And then I don't have to worry about him, and I can just take down Fisk. Would that be good? Can we do that? Yeah, I think that could have been done. Uh, I think there could there could have been something there. But I think that the big problem is uh, Fisk is so life-destroying for people. Not to mention murder, but just like he can destroy your life so easily. I think that uh, Matt is reticent to call anyone else in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that uh, you know any single one person would be you know, at least have not the the history enough to to out or well, not even to outmaneuver Fisk, but just to not be a target for Fisk. Yeah. Uh Yoda Hugh said to us on Twitter, Adam's UCast, hashtag Daredevil season three, episode six slash seven, I kinda don't like Karen anymore. <laughs> Fisk has a bunker. That bullet in fight though, how does no one recognize Dex's Dex's voice? I don't remember who all was there, but I don't know that those people knew Fisk, especially at the Bulletin. Or knew, knew Dex at the Bulletin, right? Uh, it was, uh, in the room was Foggy and the... There's a bunch uh, of reporters. Guy, it was Foggy and Karen Foggy and, and Ellison and Karen, and Karen and the guy who stabbed Fisk. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, and the guy, the guy who uh, who stabbed Fisk? Yeah. Is that the guy who they... Yeah, that's the guy who he, he's there to kill. So the only yeah. yeah, there's really nobody in there to recognize Dex's voice. At least yeah, yet. and he didn't he didn't talk to the agents when he was on his way out. Yeah, he just beats them up and runs. I think what he means later though is when they're watching the tape. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, you know, it's not like Nadim is just sitting there playing it back. It's like, how do you not recognize his voice, man? Like this is a guy that you work with like so much. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about the tape. 
I guess it depends. Maybe, maybe do we? Yeah, we don't. Do we know if it had audio on the tape or not? Yeah, it said it. it said hello, Karen. Nice to see you again. Like, oh, over yeah, and over right. again. Yeah, I think it's also just like you don't think about the guy being involved, <laughs> the guy you work with being involved. Like it might take a little more uh convincing <laughs> to think that was him. Also, a lot of the people watching that tape were involved. <laughs> so Yeah, but Nadim wasn't. Yeah, Nadim was like the only one, so it's really just is Nadim not noticing and I guess he just didn't. <laughs> he wasn't like, gee Willikers, man, that sounds a lot like that guy I work with. It's uncanny. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 8, Dex is burning his tapes. His last tether to sanity. Loved the big reveal at the end of this episode. If I didn't read the comics, I might not have seen it coming. I totally didn't see it coming. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Mary being his mother. And I yeah. didn't see it coming at all. Yeah, I tried really hard to let you like let you come into that one naturally. Thank you. And I, I did listen to that episode to see your reaction to it. Yeah, totally. I was totally shocked, as was Alyssa. Yep, yep, yep. It was great. All right, so AA4 came back uh, with an email. I'll just jump right into my thoughts on 305 through 310. Bullseye. Bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. Holy crap. I was hesitant about bringing the character in at all, but, you know, because we're only 15 years removed from Colin Farrell's interpretation of him, and there are only a finite number of showers you could fit into 15 years. <laughs> uh, that said, they surprised me on Electra last season, so I should have trusted them on Bullseye, too. I liked his origin and how they worked it into the story, although I don't normally love when they introduce mental illness into media, only to villainize the character suffering from it. But it was acted superbly, almost scarily, even when he's in the Daredevil suit. His yearning for a quote-unquote North Star and the way Kingpin manipulated himself into that position gave Dex just the slightest bit of sympathy from me and took away a hefty amount of fondness for Fisk as well. They really nailed his power in making it look cool and again making it scary. The fact that whoever he's targeting could instantly die as long as he has any potential projectile at arm's reach is pretty terrifying. Both big fights between him and Matt made me understand completely why everyone was pining for this matchup for years. Yeah, I, I think the thing about the mental illness, I don't think, at least so far, I don't think they've really vilified him as a character. Like, they've made him, like, a kind of a sociopath, I guess. Uh, but they've kind of, like, he's he's as good as his North Star. And, and, and currently, because Fisk, using his powers of manipulation, became his North Star, like, it really... Uh, that's that's what's causing the character to be bad. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Karen's backstory was pretty much what I expected it to be. A few minutes in, when I realized they were structuring most of episode 10 as a flashback, I thought I would be bored, but I actually wasn't. A lot of what she's gone through since season one makes more sense. From seeing the first time she shoots someone to her survivor's guilt, uh, to losing basically everyone around her by death or by resentment, all of that is reflected in the other two seasons of Daredevil at least once. And let's talk about her sitting right in front of Fisk, not just admitting that she killed his best friend, but rubbing his face in it. I think I said, Karen, no, about a hundred times, and each time she seemed to say, Karen, yes, back at me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's good. That's nice when, you know, TV interacts with you like that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he continues saying, I have huge problems with the treatment of Melvin Potter. I had thought Fisk would have both him and Betsy killed for making that Daredevil suit in the first place, but it's pretty clear that Fisk was never going to do anything to Melvin. He'd manipulate him and threaten him, sure, but I think he empathizes with him too much to actually harm him. Compare it to Matt getting Melvin arrested and briefly giving Betsy a heads up, and then just going, struggles and moving on. And Fisk and Matt are basically just oscillating shades of gray when it comes to their treatment of the couple. I think it's possible, it's- though, he will defend him. That's, uh, you know, he called the cops on him because he kind of had to to get out or whatever. Well, the cops were coming to catch Matt in the in the same area as the suit. Right. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't him that called the cops. That's right. That's right. So he just uh, he just kind of abandoned Melvin to get caught, which is it sucks. But yeah, Melvin did try to capture him to get him get him captured. So, (laughs) yeah, he just kind of turns it back on him. And, you know, it's not even that Melvin was doing it actively against Matt. It's just that Melvin didn't want Betsy to get hurt. That's right. Melvin has one drive, and it's to help Betsy. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Sister Maggie was amazingly casted. Joanne Whaley plays her almost apathetic at times, but with emotion just aching to get out at any second. Her story of why she couldn't stay around Matt as a child was pretty heartbreaking. It doesn't absolve her of blame, but grants her some small bit of understanding. I think they either should have cast a younger actor to play Jack in those flashbacks or a slightly older-looking actress to play her, unless they were meaning to convey that there was a huge age difference between the two. That took me way out of it because Jack looked about 20 years older than Maggie. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little off-putting. I was like, sir, she's... Very young. Yeah, they, and I don't think you see he was, I think he was just supposed to be about her age, but they did, they should have changed the actors. I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah. And he continues saying, I went all this way not ty- not talking about the title character. Can someone help me find Charlie Cox's Emmy? Because as much as I love Vincent D'Onofrio this season, his best work in this show was in season one. Charlie Cox has stepped it up every single episode he's played Matt Murdock. To go this whole season playing Matt at his absolute lowest point, he takes his understanding of this character to a whole other level. More of my praise for him will come in my next email. Uh, Marcy Stahl is a national treasure. That is all. <laughs> Father Lantham's death hit me hard. He delivered one of the best monologues on television back in season one, and that's saying something on a show that has some really killer monologues. It's cruel that his death comes when he and Matt weren't on the best of terms, but he went out a hero, which is how I'm sure he would have wanted to go. I, like many others, love Special Agent Nadim. Uh, Marvel and Netflix give characters like him and Agent Dinah Madani such depth and flaws and strengths and avoid writing them as stereotypes. And he actually follows logic, which is rare on TV. A lesser show would have Bullseye do his sneaking around with his teammates being none the wiser. But I was so proud of Ray for making the connections and following up to peg him as a suspect. You know, good police work. Go figure, right? Out of breath yet? I'd apologize, but you should really blame the new showrunner and the cast and crew for being incredible. I'll be back soon with my thoughts on the last three and the season as a whole, once I can make them make sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, eight four left is a couple of real long ones. So the, the that uh good job, Jeff. Yeah. I think I might need some water after that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yoda Hughes said to us on Twitter at MCUcast, hashtag Daredevil Season Three episodes nine, ten, eleven. Wow, the season kicked into high gear. Nadim flip flopping like Loki right now. Don't really like Karen. Fuck Foggy's brother. <laughs> Ma- Matt's mom is cool. 
I'll miss the priest. Hashtag Stan Lee. Hashtag RIP Stan Lee. Hashtag Excelsior. Yeah. That's a lot said there in, 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 in just a few lines. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Sherman Smith on Facebook says, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 12, when the FBI guy said that his wife may not come back, and yet Matt's friends always do, he should have said, well, I guess my friends are more loyal than your wife. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's rough. And then yeah. the guy gets killed? Like, come on. <laughs> just, <laughs> just want to point out how disloyal your wife is before you die. <laughs> Dang, that's a rough. You're yep. you, you're a rough showrunner, Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. All right. Uh, he also says Daredevil season three, episode twelve. Love the sequence where Matt is leading the FBI guy through the gunfight. Oh, me too. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, they they and like the show is just constantly reinventing ways to do cool, cool fight scenes that actually have stakes, and I love it. Yep, and unfortunately. We won't get to see it again for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe <sighs> never again. This might be the end. <sighs> About an ending, I don't know if I've said this on the cast, at least we got a good, satisfying story that seems like it has a beginning, middle, and end. You know? Yeah. That, for Matt, yeah. For, yeah. For, for for Daredevil, I feel like the most of the story, the only real theme we have left, the, the only real hanging thread we have left is, um, is, uh, Bullseye. Bounce yeah. de- or Bounce Devil. Bounce Devil. You said it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Sherman Smith said to us also, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 12, too bad Nadim didn't know about the waitress. I think that would have convinced him to take down Fisk. It is interesting how he... Fisk controls all the information these people are getting to so that they work towards his ends. You know? Yeah. So, super... Uh, he's such a scary villain because it just, I honestly like around episode, like whatever, seven or eight, when he's got so many people in his pocket, it just, how does he get out of that? I just have no idea how he gets out of this. How, how our, how our, how our team gets out of this, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, it turns out that, uh, you just have to let him kind of implode. Mm. Cause he did a bad thing. Yeah, well, honestly, the, the truth is his weakness, which he he acknowledges in like episode two, is Vanessa, and uh, Daredevil decides to exploit that. You know? Yeah. God, when he was having that monologue in the uh, in the van, like in the in the police right. escort, I was like, "Oh, here it comes! He's getting out! He's getting out!" Because he's monologuing about how. This is his weakness, and he's actually, he's already killed Vanessa. He sent somebody to kill her, and now he's yeah. just busting out. That was one of my big theories, was that uh, Vanessa might already be dead. And yep. he killed her because she was his weakness. Uh, but, nope. Nope. His love for Vanessa was more pure than that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lord Walter Longcoat, first of his name. Hmm. said on Twitter, Adams Ucas, when Fisk said, get our friends, I thought he was mentioning the other crime lords for more henchmen. Yes, he was. He was. <clears throat> um, I, when that happened, I was like, who are his friends? And I like, we, we theorized a bunch on the cast about who his friends were. And, uh, yeah, he's totally right. That's all that was. <laughs> Lord Walter Longco. Thank you. First of his name. First Make of sure his you name. say it right. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Sherman Smith over on Twitter says, uh, Daredevil Season 3, Episode 12, A Man Without Fear at the Eulogy. Yes. Um, and that is, that was one of my favorite moments 
when he says man without fear at the eulogy. And it, it's super cool because I think it is, it does kind of like bring closure to the character in a way. And it, if, if it weren't for that line, I don't know if I'd be as happy, um, about the way this show ends, if it's an ending, because that just really was made that an ending to the series in a way. I love that. Sherman Smith on Facebook said, I think Daredevil would be okay knowing that someone died after he beat them due to their injuries. That would be an interesting episode to explore. Of course, it would affect him, but having to kill someone who is trying to kill you in the moment is very different than premeditated murder. Yeah, I, I I agree with that part. I agree with like killing someone in self defense is different. <clears throat> I still think it would greatly affect him if he killed anyone because he's yeah yeah he would cross that line. He's a lawyer and a Catholic, so you know, regardless of whether or not they died due to like complications from the injuries, like he would have he would have been very upset about it. Yeah, I think so too. Because he, I mean, he already takes all of the responsibility for Hell's Kitchen on his shoulders. Like, why not just this one guy dying too? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, or DDS three spoilers. This looks like it's the whole thing, apparently. Yeah, I think we're we've reached the end now. This is people talking about the whole season. Oh, good. <laughs> He says, I was pleased to see Matt point out that working with Jessica would be a good idea. As for his failure to mention Danny, I think we can assume Matt figured out that Danny was fairly useless. <laughs> I'll bet that what Matt really told Danny at the end of the Defenders was protect Karen and Foggy. But Danny didn't know who that was, so he figured Matt said protect Hell's Kitchen or something of the sort. <laughs> protect Karen when it's foggy? Like, what? Did, did she have blindness or something? <laughs> So is she bad in fog? I don't know. What? I'll just go fight everybody in the city. Oh, uh, man. Uh, Karen, the party girl. Just a point you might have missed. Uh, she was dealing to college students at a frat party. Her hometown was apparently a college town with a social split between the townies and the students. And that's why the guy who pushed her felt empowered to treat her poorly. Her dealer boyfriend was a fellow townie and rescued her. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I miss that social dynamic of the college students versus the townies. Yeah, well, she when she was driving, it seemed like it was taking her a really long time to get from the quarry where her or wherever it was that her uh, her boo was uh, was holed up, mm-hmm. and it like took a really long time to get from there to the diner where she was supposed to work. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> Let's see. Fisk and Trump. Impossible to miss the Trump catchphrases in Fisk's speech. Fake news and believe me. I'm not sure the comparison is fair because Trump isn't a mastermind. <laughs> uh, Ouch. Yeah. So, yeah, they definitely were making allusions to Trump with, with Fisk in this, in this season. Uh, with, um, I mean, the, the entire Nadine way. said fake news. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but I think the uh, the implicate just just the way he handles the media in this and and goes out and tells uh, the if the, the falsehoods uh, just whatever he needs to 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 get the people behind him. I think they were trying to make allusions to what's going on in our current political climate. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, Mister and Missus Fisk. I may be seeing a subtext that isn't there, but I get the distinct Dom sub vibe from their relationship, and that Fisk ain't the Dom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go too far down that path, but uh, some spanking going on, probably. 
I don't know about the, the sexual nature of that or the dom sub sexually, but uh, they definitely, she definitely, he is subservient to her in some ways. Uh, and if only that he wants to make her happy. But yeah, I, I can see what he's talking about here. But I mean, when she was kind of like taking over and, and you know, turning into like legit Mrs. Fisk. Yeah. The way that he looked at her was just kind of like, oh, yeah. Okay. And he made a huge mistake in that moment. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, while I'm on the subject, Karen is apparently a little bit bi, which makes the Matt-Karen relationship a bit problematic, but opens up some interesting possibilities to resolve the Electra-slash-Matt-slash-Karen triangle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Especially with Electra being dead. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, she kisses a girl at that party. I don't know. I've definitely known a lot of uh, women in those situations, especially if you're trying to be a party girl and sell drugs who do that for, uh, the sort of, uh, because it's sort of expected slash attention slash showing off for the dudes. Obviously yeah. not saying that's what necessary. That seemed the vibe I got and not to say she can't be by as well, but that kiss didn't seem to necessarily mean that. I think she was, Sort of entertaining she was, the crowd. She was playing it up for the entertainment. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's how I. That's oh how I gosh. felt. It was One of the most too. embarrassing moments my band ever had. We had this guy playing with us. It was his first time. Don't didn't know him very well. And uh, there are two kinds of girl on girl kissing. There's girl on girl. Well, I'm sure there's lots, but the two, the one we just discussed, which is like for male attention that happens with like, especially like sorority girl types and like party girl types that like kiss other girls for the attention of it. And then there's actual kissing between two women that love each other. Um, and we, one of my shows, there was a couple there who was, uh, they were they were engaged. They were talking about getting married. They were talking about having our band play their wedding. Um, this this these these two lesbians who had been dating for years and were very much in love. And uh, they we I, I played a song that I knew they liked, and it was like one of their songs or whatever. And uh, they started kissing. It wasn't even like an over the top kiss by any means. It was like just a small peck. It was sweet. And this guy that I don't know, we live in Alabama, by the way, he's a bit of a redneck. This guy, this guy didn't know it all. Search, he, he sees it and he goes, Oh yeah, they're kissing. <laughs> and he just starts like, it's like he'd never seen two girls kiss before, except for in those type of circumstances. And it was completely inappropriate. And I'm like, shut the up. Like, what are you doing? He's like calling them out and acting like they're party girls kissing, which is a thing whatever but like he he just can't even but imagine this wasn't that this was not that it was a very sweet moment between two people that loved each other and he is calling them out in front of everyone on the microphone and he's like they're kissing Woo! i was like oh my gosh this is the worst <laughs> this, and, and i don't think i ever hired him again <laughs> yeah no you'll never work in this town again yeah that guy has a reputation now Ooh, and not just right. not just from that moment. That guy has all kinds of. Uh, that guy's got problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Jeffrey James, who doesn't have as many problems, uh, continues, or I guess finishes his comments saying, and still on the subject, what's up with Foggy and Marcy having sex, apparently, and keeping their clothes on? You mentioned this in passing, but I'm trying to figure out what it says about their relationship. Or, alternatively, do their clothes have Velcro seams that are easily reattached? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're just really into sharing fantasies. Like in a phone sex way, but in person. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, I, I just took this for a couple of things. I think they, uh, and this is sort of the sad commentary on it. I think maybe that Foggy or the actress aren't as comfortable. I, I guess, I guess that's not as sad, but like they're not as attractive or at least not as thin. I won't even say attractive. I think they're both attractive people. Uh, they're not as thin and given the, um, like focus on that in our culture. I don't think they were rushing to show them nude, <laughs> basically. Um, particularly foggy, I guess. Um, and I just think that they were, that was sort of a, uh, like convenient. And it, and it could, it could just be that those actor, that actor and actress didn't want to be nude <laughs> on camera and were happy to do, you know, have the scene staged that way. But yeah, yeah. the more cynical part of me says that the director's like, nah, we don't want to get them naked. <laughs> They're not our thin, attractive uh, cast members. We'll just have right. have them show back up after sex fully clothed. <laughs> yep. And then, like, the way that they were sitting there, just like, uh, uh, wow. Like, that's not something you say after you're... Like, you don't usually put your clothes on before saying that sort of thing. Yeah. It also all depends on what they did. Like, there are, there are, there are ways to, that you can easily get back dressed after certain activities. <laughs> uh, this is a family show. Let's move on. This, yeah, totally. This is a family show. Uh, Juan Piberna said to his comment, as, or comment on Daredevil Season 3, uh, I have to say that I love the fights between Daredevil and Bullseye. And I, I'm pretty sure he means Bounce Devil. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> yep. They, they managed to show two very skilled fighters that just edged one another in specific skill sets. Uh, they'll start very even, and then Matt will start to dominate Poindexter in hand-to-hand combat. Then Bullseye will change things to a ranged combat scenario where he is superior to Matt. Again, Matt is very good, so the fight changes to Bullseye, but not immediately. A good fight scene has an inner, internal narrative, and the Daredevil choreography team seems to understand that. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Thanks, Juan. Uh, Danny Phantom comes up with an email. Full season. I finished the season like a week ago, but I'm writing about it now. I absolutely loved this season. By far my favorite Marvel Netflix season. I have a hard time finding any faults with it. I saw a review for the last episode that gave it a D+. Plus. A D+, plus? Really? I don't know what they were on, because it was brilliant. Good to see that Kingpin is still around. Still holding out some small amount of hope that he can appear in something featuring Spider-Man, where Spider-Man and Daredevil can team up. Uh, also good to see that Bounce Devil is still alive and can come back with his metal spine. I have to rewatch all three seasons now. Yeah, I want to I wanna rewatch them too. Yeah. Um, I really hope they can pull something together with Fisk as... Uh, as Kingpin and move him to the movies. Like, I think that that is a no brainer. Like Fisk showing up in Spider-Man five or whatever would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Since it apparently has to be two years from now. 
<laughs> Sorry, when you said have Fisk as Kingpin, I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, you mean Vincent D'Onofrio? I, yeah, sorry. I just, totally interchangeable. <laughs> He's just, yeah, that's him now. That's, he hasn't, <laughs> yeah. He's no longer the actor known as Vincent D'Onofrio. Only Zool. That's Wilson Fisk. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Here we go. Uh, we got 084 sending us yep. the, uh, another, it looks like the final email. And it is, it is a, a very long one. Uh, so you get your water, get your, uh, cough drops. We can take turns on paragraphs if you want. <laughs> I actually need to go get some water. Do it. Oh, wait, four starts it off. Okay, we're finally here. The end of 13 hours of tension, cheering, laughs, yelling no at the TV, yelling yes at the TV, invisible onions being chopped in my room, and much more. Here are my thoughts on the last three episodes in the season as a whole. I have a couple of nits to pick, and believe me, these are the tiniest of nitpicks. I don't want to end on a negative note, so I'll lead with them. When Matt had the two flashbacks to the orphanage, I wanted so bad to see a black-haired girl run by... Yeah... Yeah, I know what he's going for here. I wanted so bad to see a black-haired girl run by with a sister running after her shouting, Mary Sue Poots. Who would that have hurt? Who? <laughs> that was the uh, that was the connection to um, Sky or Sky. Oh uh, yeah, Daisy. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that Agents of Shield. That would have. I don't know. If, <clears throat> I think she's younger though. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure she's younger than Matt. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. I guess they could probably uh, be a good bit younger. Like, like, like the little girl be a good bit younger and probably could have lined the time up. Yeah, yeah. Having her, like, <clears throat> like a little bitty, you know, like four or five, maybe a little bit younger than that. Yeah. In there, running by when he's, like, 12. Mm-hmm. Could have been, it could have been so easy. It mm-hmm. been so simple. Anyway, I continue. Speaking of other MCU shows, remember all that time ago, a year or a couple of months or some other vague amount of time that's vague on purpose, when Daredevil participated in a plan with five other people to blow up a building and he ended up underneath that building, which started the season? Do you think those five people might, I don't know, be a little curious about Daredevil showing up on the news killing people? Do you think they might drop by to see that lawyer and reporter who both had some connection with Daredevil just to see what's going on? I mean, I understand that Danny's in Japan and Luke is a crime boss. Stay tuned for my thoughts on their cancellations. But Colleen and Jessica are still vigilantes last time I checked. And Claire was actually friends with Matt. And even though we don't see her at the end of Luke Cage, we know that she's back in town. I do understand the logistics of casting and schedules and money where crossover is concerned. Uh, it wasn't until I saw Eric Olison on Twitter bragging about Daredevil being so standalone that I got mad about it. <clears throat> This universe was built on the foundation of crossover and these characters coexisting, so I wouldn't ever consider one of these series being isolated to be an achievement. But hey, maybe Claire and Jessica don't care about their friend. Maybe Jessica and Colleen see someone killing multiple people in a devil suit and just shrug and go off to stop more bank robbers and liquor store stick-ups. Priorities, guys. Also, the crime bosses. Sigh. How many more times are we going to see a gathering of, quote, the most dangerous people in New York, end quote, and it's different every single time? Hmm. 
<clears throat> we do see the Italian boss from Luke Cage present and accounted for, but we're missing the other bosses she associated with, including Luke Cage and the Hatchet Men, and adding in an offensive Jewish stereotype, a mechanic and some hacker. I wasn't feeling it. Okay, that's the 1% I didn't like. Here's the 99% with a teeny tiny complaint mixed in later. Dex's compulsion is becoming more and more clear as he struggles and fails to fulfill Kingpin's order to kill Karen. Uh, when she was turned over to the NYPD, I was terrified that he was just going to flip out and kill her, Mahoney, and every cop in that church. And if he laid a hand on Sister Maggie, I would have been ready to throw hands, just saying. <laughs> hmm. uh, when he found Julie, my heart, my heart did actually break for him. Uh, the show didn't let us go too long without remembering that this is a man with a mental illness and a desire to find someone to follow, and then to do their bidding, because otherwise he just doesn't know what to do with himself. It's weird that on this show I sympathize with Dex, and yet a certain character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has absolutely none of my sympathy. I'd love to give you a reason for this, but I'll have to call my therapist first. <laughs> I think it's probably just the level of storytelling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> the next bullet point is, I don't have a therapist. If I did, then my letters to you would probably be far shorter, and we wouldn't want that. <laughs> so he's he's admitting that his long letters are are a symptom of some... We are his therapy, man. Yeah, I like it. I'm okay <laughs> with that. You know what? You talk to me whenever you need That's to, right. sir. We're here for you. <laughs> uh, next bullet point, Agent motherfucking Nadim. He saved Karen at the end of episode 11, gave up his freedom to put Fisk away in 12, and then, when that became useless, gave up his own life, knowing that his death is what would finally make his testimony stick and bring the man down for good in 13. It's inspirational. It's heartbreaking. It's ridiculous that an original, non-superhero character comes into the show and just steals it. When he was on the phone with his wife and son for their very last conversation, did you notice what phone he was using? Did you? Did you? No. The same, the same phone that Jack used to say goodbye to Maggie and to make sure Matt would be taken care of. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> I really wanted Madame Gal to be the one who had bought uh, Rabbit in the Snowstorm. I really wanted it. The only suitable replacement for her would have been a Holocaust survivor from whom not even Fisk is evil enough to take the painting back. Good God, that scene. I loved it. Yeah, that was really great. <clears throat> and the it was, main such, event. It, it was a cool um it was really really cool that it showed it just showed Fisk having heart having a heart you know like an actual trying to make actual decisions that Vanessa would like yeah well and he said like Vanessa Vanessa would have wanted it to stay so like mm -hmm. it wasn't it, like if he wanted it if it had been just him he would have been like yeah I'm gonna kill you right here with my bare hands and then I'm gonna take the painting mm-hmm but he did what he thought Vanessa would have wanted. And then Vanessa noticed it and did not care. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe that shows that Vanessa is not as Who good. that she is. Yeah. I think in many ways she's not. And that's one of the things that makes it all interesting. Yep. 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 <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, the main event fight was dot, 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 everything. Daredevil versus Bullseye versus Kingpin. Sorry, let me rephrase that for you. Daredevil versus Bounce Devil versus Kingpin. <laughs> do I need to say more? You bet I do. 
The ridiculousness of Dex popping up on stage in the devil suit with a microphone was my favorite thing ever. And then Matt saves Fisk? That confused me a little. He's been dead set on killing Fisk from last episode. Uh, he went through, yeah, okay, sorry. He went through the trouble of bringing Dex into the equation. He hasn't yet had that incredibly gut-wrenching moment when he screams in utter frustration because he can't bring himself to kill the man. So then why not let Bullseye finish him on the dance floor? Did he want to do it himself? Was Bullseye actually aiming for Vanessa? Did Matt hear Ray's confession on all those phones and do the legal math and decide he doesn't need Fisk to die anymore? Making that amazingly acted scream at the end useless? I don't know. Right. I thought that it was um, Dex was aiming for Vanessa. I thought he was trying to punish Kingpin for for killing... No, he's not the Punisher. That's Frank Castle. <laughs> I think he was trying to, uh, you know, re- reciprocate the fact that Kingpin killed the woman that he, his North Star. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how dare you kill me or kill my, you know, my guiding light, my, you know, my reason, my raison d'etre, if you will. I won't. Okay. <laughs> I'll just keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, sorry. Also back at Fogwell's, when Matt has decided that he's going to kill Fisk, Frank Castle's best friend is in the room with him. Who better to call when you want someone dead? I'll wait. Anyways, that three-way fight was incredible. It was the most comic book scene in all three seasons of the show, and it worked. Fisk's armored jacket, Vanessa constantly being a target, and a weird common motivation for both Fisk and Daredevil in trying to save her. Bullseye getting paralyzed, and the bloodstains on the painting. There was no better way than that visual to wrap up the Fisk storyline that ran through the whole show. I expected Vanessa to just roll her eyes and shoot Matt from behind when he was making that deal with Kingpin. Speaking of that deal, it's totally going to hold up, right? Right? Guys? Hmm... <laughs> Probably not. I cannot imagine uh, that it will. <laughs> uh, when it's all said and done, this was definitely the best season that Netflix has done. It was gritty and real world, but also very comic book. And at the same time, every character was written amazingly and the actors portraying them truly, truly put out award-worthy performances. Charlie Cox is as much Matt Murdock as RDJ as Tony Stark or Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. And I dare say, possibly more so. And thank you for reading these rants of mine. No one I know watched these shows or movies more than casually, and I appreciate not having to keep these thoughts in completely. I'll be back with thoughts on the two cancellations soon, in case your ears haven't been typed off enough. I was waiting to see if Jessica Jones, Daredevil, or Punisher, spoiler alert, the significantly more Caucasian 60% of the Netflix shows, would follow this week, but it looks like the cancellation bear is full for now. Until next time, true believers, Excelsior. Obviously, we know now that Daredevil's been canceled, too. And I think that probably has something to do with contractual obligations. I think they've decided to cancel all of them, and they're just waiting uh, till the show's air, and then they're canceling them. Yeah, it's it's basically like the show that they're working on or the show that's about to come out uh, gets to come out. And then they're like, okay, now that that's done, let's just go ahead and kill it. Yeah. And then, so you got what you wanted, bye. I'm assuming they still have skin in the game for these shows to get some views, um, if, if for no other reason, because uh, they if if well if Disney if it's Disney that's making these cancellations, then it 
it's it, it it'll be um, important for their future shows. And if it's Netflix, it's because Netflix wants to keep you watching the stuff that they've funded. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just a bummer. Real sad that it looks like this is all going away. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's wrap these up. We got Steve Abramowitz says, guys. I'm on your third episode review. Do you all not know Maggie is Matt's mom in the comics? You make no references to that. Best Steve. <laughs> I think I responded to Steve and I said, I am so glad I didn't read this till later. Because <laughs> the answer is no. I did not know that uh, Maggie was Matt's mom. And I'm oh, I very knew. glad that I didn't. So thank you for all of those who did not spoil that, including you, Jeff. Thank you. You're, hey, you know what? You're welcome. Really I feel like I said it though, like you know, months before the season came out, and you just forgot. That is very possible. And I just let you forget because I wanted to see that realization happen. Because that conversation happened in the real world, and I don't remember things as we discussed. Yeah, from the real world. Yeah. yeah. Now, if I had had that conversation with Alyssa, she would have punched me. Mm-hmm. She would have. She would have been so mad. She'd have been like, "How dare you spoil this punch?" Mm-hmm. She's a violent person. Yep. Just like all redheads. It's fiery. They're fiery. <laughs> oh, man. She's not going to listen to this, so we're okay. No, yeah, we're good. <laughs> uh, Franco can send, <laughs> send an email. Hey, guys, Daredevil S3 was great. At least better than season two. I love the fact that it was clearly shown that Matt was superior to Dex in hand-to-hand combat, but his chances became more slim the more distance was put between them. The short-lived team-up with Melvin was great, too, as he did much better against Daredevil and the SWAT team than I thought that he would. Uh, Kingpin has his hands in nearly everything, and it made me scared for the main characters as well. All in all, this season was great. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. Kingpin's tendrils do run deep, and that... That's the most terrifying thing about him. Like, his size and his strength is, like, that's great and all, but, like, the fact that he could, like, ruin your credit score and then just, like, break you down fiscally mm. is awful. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, he is definitely not, the physical threat is not why you fear him. He's also very physically threatening, but that is not yeah. why he's a scary villain. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he's real bad, and then also he's, like, a huge guy. Who would mm-hmm. just wreck you? And very and very violent and weirdly childlike in his violence. It just seems out of control. Man, it uh, this is scary. Yep. Uh, got Yoda Hugh on Twitter at MCUcast hashtag Daredevil season three episode twelve slash thirteen. Great finish. Felt like Nessa was playing Fisk. Loved Dex. Brilliant mental Daredevil moments. Amazing season. Yeah. Agreed. All right, and this looks like our last one. Last one. Last one. We had Leah send us a, uh, a an email. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, Leah. A little long. <laughs> a little long. Warning. No, this you. I can see all of this email in one uh, one set on my monitor. I don't have to scroll, so this is not long. Yeah. <laughs> this, is less this, is than a, first... this is less than a page. We're we're yeah. almost home free here. Uh, she says, this is my first time writing in, even though I've been listening for a while. So, you know, long time, first time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but Daredevil Season 3 was so good, I just had to say something. It was great. 
The way the writers basically took away everything that was keeping Matt on the good path and picked apart his morals and faith was so good. And along with literally everything else is what made the show my personal favorite, but also one of the best TV shows ever. About the ending, I think Vanessa was the real evil here. Think about it. She could have played Fisk into getting caught, leading to the deal between him and Daredevil, giving her a full Daredevil immunity to do whatever she wants. Or she might just use the immunity to get revenge on Daredevil for putting Fisk in jail. The characters were especially awesome, and my personal favorite being Nadim. Uh, the second I realized that Fisk had him in a trap, I felt so incredibly bad for him. It was insane. Love the show. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, Leah. P.S. I would so love to see Moon Knight get a series. The comics and costume are my favorites. Right! This, oh, the Moon Knight done the way that everything has been done on Netflix would be phenomenal. And I yeah. think that, that Benjamin Poindexter is the perfect inroad to that because Having a character that has a, a mental issue, a mental incapacity or, or a, a mental illness, that's the word, a mental illness being portrayed so well the way that, that Poindexter was is an obvious, like, obvious link and inroad to getting Moon Knight on screen. And if we could get Moon Knight, oh my god. Oh god. Yeah. That, the story of Mark Spector is uh, it's so good. It's so great. How cool would it be if they, you know, start up a... Uh Start up a Disney Plus uh, service, and then we get a few other shows. Like you know, we keep talking about how this is horrible, and I, I do think it's horrible that we've lost their, the, we've lost the Defenders. But like, they could, they could just take this time to use some of these same creators and create an entirely new uh, universe or like a little corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, uh, yeah, with, we with could get Marvel like, Knights. Yeah, we could get Marvel Knights. It'd be awesome. Uh, we could get a. Uh, Moon Knight series and then a uh, Ghost Rider series and a few others <laughs> and then like uh, and then you know in two years when these characters are freed up to be in t on television again or whatnot we could get them all back you know and then they come and then we have a Defenders versus the Marvel Knights thing like it could be awesome oh, this man. could lead to great things it could it could it's a bummer but it could let's lead just to hold out things. hope I have hope all right, guys. Well, that is all of our Daredevil feedback. So much feedback tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for writing in. Sorry it took us a couple weeks to get to it. Uh, we've been dealing with all kinds of things with this uh, these last few weeks with all kinds of new content coming out and trailers. And uh, we'll be back real soon with more. Uh, well, actually, I guess this weekend we'll be back with Runaways. Runaways yeah. starts on Friday, so that's exciting. We'll have a uh, we'll have a solid yes or no on whether or not I passed the architecting Microsoft Azure solutions exam well good luck my friend it's an important one man Ar azure architects make around like 140 150 a year that's awesome man well i hope yeah. i hope it uh i hope it goes well i hope you get it yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> awesome well guys uh, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com, slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU to leave us a voicemail. Uh, if you want to support the cast, go to patreon.com, slash mcucast. We'll be back with you as ASAP with Runaways. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Mm -hmm.